glad you're here. My name is Crispina French, and I'm your host of the Rags to Riches podcast. I'm an OG textile alchemist, worked my way through art school making ragamuffins from thrift store sweaters way back in the 1980s. That college side hustle grew into a full-fledged business, and here I am to show you that you can do that too. Together, we'll navigate hurdles, challenges, and accomplishments while crafting your profitable textile upcycling business to serve you and the planet. My guests and I will cover topics including material sourcing, business savvy, product development, sales and marketing, and self-care. Overcoming struggles, celebrating wins, and reaping rewards of running your very own textile upcycling business is what we are all about. Are you ready to be inspired, energized, and supported? This is the Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast. This episode of the Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast is brought to you by The Unruffled. The Unruffled is a vibrant and feminine collection of slow-made garments and accessories handmade with love by Sandra Primo. Sandra is based in Austin, Texas, and every item she makes is thoughtfully constructed from finely sourced, reused textiles, favoring silks and lace and crochet. Bespoke, one of one, encouraging an infinite circle of recovery. Step into the world of The Unruffled at www.theunruffled.com. And visit the show notes page for this episode at Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast.com for links and more information. Hey, you're tuning in to the latest episode of the most awesome podcast out there, Rags to Riches. And we have got an awesome guest today. Erin Beatty from Ron Triage is joining me today, and I am really excited to learn more about her awesome business. Um, and it turns out that we're kind of like neighbors. Erin's located in Connecticut and actually a, part, a little chunk of Connecticut that's not too far from my little chunk of Massachusetts. So welcome, Erin. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Crispina. <laughs> sure, sure. I'm so glad. So, um, yeah, let me uh, just sort of get people acclimated by asking you to share about your business and what it what is you tell me about your business um so my business is um it's you know an upcycling company essentially called ron triage um i started it in 2019 and this was after the closure of a company that i had previously called suno um and it was a pretty devastating closure and so I was pregnant at the time with my second child and I kind of popped out and I knew I couldn't keep working in the way I had been working. I'd just seen the amount of waste that went into the fashion industry. Um, I'd worked at big companies. I've worked, you know, I was creative director at Troy Birch and I started at Gap Inc. At Gap back in the day and I loved, I loved this job and it was a really good company, but we used to burn the samples, you know, and this was like 25 years ago. I don't think they knew any better. I don't think anyone knew any better. It was like not a bad thing to say out loud that the samples were going to get burned. And it was just... That's crazy. That is so crazy. And so is, was Suno also a, a, a fashion brand? Suno was also a fashion brand. Um, we originally started working with vintage congas, which are these East African fabrics. Um, and then we moved into doing these printed textiles and producing kind of 
worldwide with various artisans. Um, but it wasn't as sustainable as what I ultimately created with Ron Triage. And I think I just realized, um, you know, once you kind of start to wrap your head around fashion's footprint, it's just devastating. You know, mm-hmm. it's really, it's really, um, it's really powerful. And it's kind of like, you cannot unknow it. And so that's yeah. what to me. That's, that's so true. I feel that's, that's that actually also, you know, that's a lot of what motivates me as well. And I feel like, you know, before you wrap your head around it, you, like you said, you don't know, like there's so many people in the world that just have very little attachment or knowledge of the waste in general. And then like, you know, the fashion industry is very, very wasteful. So it's really um, something that I think as we're going forward with our textile upcycling businesses, we have this beautiful opportunity to have like a real impact, right? Like you saw that and then you were like, what can I do that's going to address this problem? And now you're doing it. And it's like this opportunity that is out there for people who are really motivated to do that. So talk about how you got interested in like, well, first of all, let's back up a bit. Like, so you, did you go to college to go to learn about fashion? Well, uh, you know, I always wanted to be a designer, but my mom was a professor and my dad was a lawyer. So that was, you know, art school was discouraged. Um, so I went to UCLA and I got um, a degree in English and Spanish. And then I went to work for The Gap. And while I was there, um, I did this retail management program under Mickey Drexler. I have a really classic kind of like retail slash fashion background. Um, and it's like a seven month training program. And then I became a merchandiser. And I was just like in spreadsheets and I was like, what's going on? This is not, this is not my <laughs> destiny. And um, I talked to uh, my bosses uh, in, in my area and they spoke to the creative director whose name was Pina Ferlisi. And she said that she wanted to move me to New York. And so I got moved to New York um, and I became really close with her and I told her I really wanted to be a designer. I was a product developer. So I was kind of like the glue holding a lot of things together at that time, which was, you know, a, a wonderful role from a learning perspective. But she was like, if you want to be a designer, you need to go back to art school. And so then I went back to Parsons. How cool. How yeah. nice to have that like mentor thing happening at your job where it was like, okay, this is not impossible, but this is what you need to do. That's so cool. It was. It was the realization that you could actually have a career in fashion, you know, and there's a lot of working people in fashion in New York City. So it it was the permission I needed at the time I needed it. That's awesome. So you went to Parsons and you were fo- focused on fashion. That was like, were you thinking about upcycling at that point or no? Not no. yet. You know, what you're taught in art school, especially in fashion school, is like, it's kind of all okay in the name of creativity. You know, like what it's really about is just developing the most creative things. So at Suno, we developed so many of our own fabrics and we were so lauded and rewarded for it. You know, we were part of like the CFDA Fashion Fund and we were the very first finalist for the LVMH Prize and we won a CFDA award. And it's just, you know, you're, you're really celebrated for just creativity and creativity, but that's just development and development and development. And so what I saw happening is I was like, there's all these kind of, you know, NGO people talking around sustainability and there's all these designers designing and that connection isn't happening, you know? Mm -hmm. 
And so I was really researching sustainable fabrics and I just, I was like, these are not there yet. It's not to a place where I feel confident, like offering this to a consumer and being like, this is it. This is so cool. This is like the next thing. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't until I really started to explore vintage, which I had always bought. I had always tailored. I had always changed, but like Mm -hmm. really started to buy it and figure out how to make it feel totally different, totally new, celebrate the one of a kind aspect of it. And, and, you know, then eventually get into how you produce a similar style over and over, um, that I really felt like I was creating something that A, I really believed in and B, I was just dying to put on. I mean, some of our jackets, I just, I want to put on immediately. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. And the the fact that you said you wanted to figure out a way to create like a repeatable design, of course, everything is going to be one of a kind, but I feel like that is a huge piece of what made my textile production company um, viable was being able to like say, yes, crate and barrel, I can make a hundred of those blankets, even though they are all one of a kind, they're all going to have like the same coloration. They're going to be the same size. They're going to have the same, but you know, the, each individual square of those blankets is obviously going to be cut from like a different sweater or whatever the material was I was using. So um, can you speak a little bit to that? Like how, how have you been able to create a repeatable design with um, raw triage? So, um, well, there's two ways. So the first way is really easy. It's just using dead stock fabric. Mm-hmm. That might feel like cheating. It's not. It's um, not. You know, like there, I just, as, as someone who's worked in the industry my entire career, no one is going to use those fabrics. And if you do not use those fabrics, they, you know, they start to grow mold. It's, I've seen these fabrics like in devastating conditions simply because, um, you know, it didn't come in at exactly the right color and they're not going to put it on the line. And suddenly that's 4,000 yards. I mean, this happens all the time. This is something that people should be taking advantage of. Uh, and then the other thing, and this is, you know, I think we really want the dead stock to sell well because it's like the easier, it's the easier route. But mm-hmm. what sells well is the vintage, up, the upcycle vintage, you know, mm-hmm. even to really mainstream stores like Neiman's. And so where we try to focus our attention is on things like menswear because menswear, uh, uh, we're making women's clothes, but a men's blazer I can find over and over and over and over again, especially where we live, you know, mm-hmm. um, um, men's jeans, you can find over and over and over again, uh, men's suiting shirts. So really playing with these things in a way that allows them to also become the DNA of the brand. You know, I mean, these are the things that will define us and that we need to just celebrate. So mm-hmm. that's, that's, really yeah, done it. we've really just decided to focus what we're designing into. That's really cool. I think that that has like, there's so much, there's, there's legs that come from that, right? Like menswear, like the consistency um, of whatever it is, the, you know, button up shirts, they all have that front placket, they all got the collar. I mean, yeah, the collars might be different sizes, and the buttons might be different colors. But like, generally, the shapes are the same, even, you know, and I think that that has such a, there's so much value in and just acknowledging the repeatability makes your business viable or not, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you had to photograph every single piece that you produced, differently because they're all they're that different from one to the next that would be cost prohibitive or your pricing would be like so high that it would be then that would be cross prohibitive so it's um it's I, I think it's something that 
you know, it's really worth the attention that goes into it. And, you know, somebody who comes in fresh might not have the, um, knowledge or the, the experience to know like what, what pieces of clothing in our culture are, have that kind of consistency, but to, you know, as you just shared, the men's menswear tends to be more consistent for, you know, there's not as many variations for men. I mean, in some ways that's nice, right? It is. I mean, we, you know, we started using like dresses and some other women's wear, and that was also really special. What we created was really special each time. So I do believe that there's room for these special dresses. And I think as technology improves, it's actually going to be really easy for us to get these things online in a beautiful way. That Mm -hmm. being said, like you got to understand a customer is not going to scroll forever. Right. So, right. So it is about creating things that you can kind of buy deeply into and really establish as a language for yourself and, and create like styles that people want to come back to you for. Mm-hmm. And have like that consistency, right? Like even if there's variation in there, there's like, you know, I love the, um, the term that you just used, the halo effect of these beautiful, like high end, one of a kind dresses that are super special. It kind of like, it shines this beautiful light on the rest of the collection and that might, it might not be attainable to everybody, but the, you know, it's eye candy. It brings people in. It's like what people want are inspired to see. And, you know, maybe there's, you know, a special occasion or a wedding that comes. That's like a reason to then circle back and, and take, uh, um, take that offer and and make it um, something that they are able to, to work toward and, and acquire for the, that special day. Um, so, so cool. And okay. So you come out of the gap, you go to Parsons, Ron Triage, first, uh, first at you, Suno, and then Ron Triage came to be. And now you are based in New York city. And tell me about like the structure of your business. Are you wholesaling? Are you selling to stores? We do. We wholesale. Um, and we have some, big accounts. I mean, we have Neiman's, we have Nordstrom's, we've been in Bergdorf's, um, we're in some specialty stores. We work with Ecrom a lot. Um, so yeah, we do wholesale. I, I would love to do more just direct, but, mm-hmm. um, we don't really live in a world where it's like, if you build it, they will come anymore. You know, it's this crazy world of marketing, et cetera, et cetera. And you have to have a lot, there's a, there's a barrier to entry. It's just expensive. Um, mm-hmm. and so wholesale is a great way to get the word out. Um, so are you selling at like shows? Do you do trade shows or how do people find out about your stuff? Uh, I mean, we really just sell for fashion week and we really just reach out to specific stores, um, and work with kind of sales executives and or showrooms to, to get the word out. We haven't done any, uh, trade shows. I think we will do a trade show this summer because we want to launch home mm-hmm. and oh, so cool. yeah yeah which That's I, exciting. i'm really passionate about actually so um so yeah I, I we're gonna we're gonna start to dip our toes in that but because it's like there's really just it's like me and then everyone else is a freelancer you know i've worked with them for a long time they're really experienced people um but there's like five or six of us total it it it's we're kind of tiny you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, so we just don't have the bandwidth for a lot, um, but we, we're doing everything we can. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's also like, you know, that creates this, like, it adds a, le- a level, a layer of like exclusivity and specialness because it's not like, you know, you can't have 150 of those. There's mm-hmm. only two and there's only five or six of us making this stuff. So, you know, it kind of 
it, it celebrates the fact that, you know, it's, it's a artisan skilled labor, beautifully made collection of amazing pieces that are worthy of that. You know, it's, it's, I think it's, um, it's just like there, there's this sort of, uh, juxtaposition, right. Of the, the mass produced gap kind of stuff, right. That you're very well familiar with. And then Ron triage, which is like this kind of, it just takes everything up like a hundred notches, right. To just like, okay, you want beautiful, you want sustainable. Let me make something and sell you something. That's going to be this coveted piece. That's going to last in your wardrobe for how long it, how long it's keeps you uh, feeling beautiful. And it's not designed for like that one, one time where it's not designed to be like that, you know, disposable thing that's doesn't really matter because it really does matter. And it's, it's, there's a lot of, you can, I can tell just by looking at your collection that there's just a lot of thought and love that goes into the mm. production of each piece. So yeah. Yeah. And we can produce, we can produce. And, and then I think about the future as we, you know, we can produce like a pretty, decent amount of quantities um but then keeping certain things really special and limited and then i think about the future and it really involves working with retailers to you know we can't do this fabric we're going to run out but we can do this fabric Mm -hmm. um so and then hopefully with home we create a few things you know we can do things like recycled glassware that are easier to produce in larger quantities Mm -hmm. yeah and partner those together that's so cool i'm so excited for you that's a really big step like you know (laughs) diversifying your you're gonna be in a whole different market and you're gonna be able to kind of marry these two you know i mean it's like one life but different markets right like the same customers will like both collections i'm thinking yeah for me it was actually it's always just been about i was like (laughs) i need to be able to buy something and not feel so guilty you know, mm-hmm. and and I was just dealing with a lot of consumer guilt um, mm-hmm. for everything that I was purchasing because I just knew that it was likely creating waste. And so now so much of what I purchase is vintage, which is great. But, um, you know, it's like the colors might be faded or it's a little you, you want things that that have that freshness. So mm-hmm. that's what we're trying to reinvigorate everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. I want to just make a suggestion, which I um, I learned along the in the last, I think it was within the last year. There was a point in time, I think it was in the, like the 80s, where citizens started becoming consumers. And like we are referred to as consumers, like we're not people, we're consumers, we're not right. citizens, we're consumers. And if we could just bring back the idea of being a citizen rather than a consumer, it sort of changes things up a little bit and it sort of gives us a little bit more um, power, I think, to yeah. uh, direct where, you know, what we do and how our purchases, the impact of our purchases. So um, just a suggestion and maybe that would be something helpful to just alleviate some of that guilt and m- make you know or remind you or anybody out there who's listening that, you know, the choices that we make are actually really important and they actually do have quite a substantial impact when they get kind of all put together and, and looked at as a whole. So yeah. um, I'm excited to learn more about your home collection. But right now, if you guys are just tuning in, I'm chatting with Erin Beatty. Her company, Ron Triage, is amazing. You got to check it out. It's rontriage.com. And I'm going to spell that for you. It's R-E-N-T-R-A-Y-A-G-E.com. And 
beautiful fashion brand and just really, I mean, just go look at it. And um, we're going to learn more about the home collection she's introducing right after this short break. Today's episode of Rags to Riches podcast is brought to you by the Stitcherhood Recycling Society, my online membership community for creative textile upcycling, recycling, and reuse entrepreneurs. Inspiration, shared experience, tutorials, business savvy, and connection to a whole posse of people who understand the passion and intricacies of running an environmentally kind creative textile upcycling biz. Daily posts, Weekly stitch hours, book recommendations, group chats, member profiles, and strong connections is what you can expect when you join Stitcherhood. Head on over to stitcherhood.crispina.eco and sign up for a free seven-day trial to see if my Stitcherhood Recycling Society is a good fit for you and your textile upcycling business. All right, we're back with Aaron Beatty from Ron Triage. And Aaron, um, we were just talking about your introduction of your home collection. And I'd love to know, well, you talked a little bit about how it was kind of to help people know that when they're purchasing things, that they're not having this like consumer guilt and that the, the pieces that you're um, designing and selling are, you know, have a sustainability component. Can you talk a little bit more about what you're, how you'll launch your line and what, what is included in your line and what you sort of see coming forward, like in, as you as you progress, yeah. So we we currently we currently carry home goods produced by sustainable artisans on the website, and they're, they're like incredible. You know, they're like recycled glassware from Mexico or from Morocco, and um, these carved bowls that he finds the fallen down trees in the you know countryside of England and asks the owner if he can carve a bowl from them. You know, I mean, it's really like, it's incredible things. Um, and <clears throat> we really wanted to contribute to that storyline, but also create something that we could then sell outward. And so um, we do a lot of upcycled things. So we do a lot of linens made from old linens where we cut them up and sew them back together in kind of a patchwork style, which is, was really beautiful. It also allows you to get rid of the stained pieces. Um, often we'll over dye them. We've done it with natural dyes, which is really beautiful. And, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily last forever. And um, we're also doing it with some clean organic dyes, which can last a little bit longer. Um, and then um, pillowcases made with dead stock home materials as well, a recycled glassware program that we're so excited about. We had, I have not seen the final samples. It's been, this is not for the faint of heart, this home development. Um, <laughs> you know, we're doing these eco, um, eco linens made of this kind of like green bamboo viscose, um, which I'm really excited about because it's fully traceable and regenerative. So it's actually kind of contributing to the ecosphere. Um, and we're doing these upcycled ceramics that we, you know, they're dead stock ceramics that uh, they have, that the factory hasn't sold. And then we're reglazing them with ash from a recycling plant. Oh so, my God, that sounds so cool. awesome. It's so yeah. Cool. So yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we'll see when we get there, but, um, but yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, you know, just to, to, um, to kind of, 
commiserate if uh, that might not be the right word, but like <laughs> it running is. a business is definitely not for the faint of heart. I mean, there's always, I, I joke about it. I'm like, it's not boring. <laughs> it does not get, this is not boring, but it is, there's challenges, right? There's always like a hurdle. It doesn't matter how long you've been in business. It doesn't matter how much experience you have. There's always, um, you know, things that are just like, Oh, like a, you know, is it a hurdle? Is it a, is it a wall? How am I going to get around it? Do I want to get around it? Like, you know, and, and you kind of have to always, for me anyway, and I'd love to kind of just get your input on that is like, it always seems like there, there's these, you know, for a long time, I thought like, it was like, you know, my heart would go fast and I'd be like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And now I'm like, okay, I got to assess what I think, you know, my initial like response is, okay, get over the hurdle. But like, let me just think about this. If I get over the hurdle, I'm going to be going this way, but maybe I need to, to, to take a turn here. Maybe this is like a, something that's teaching me something that I need to like relook at or reassess. So I kind of look at those, um, those things as kind of opportunities to kind of take a step back for a minute and just kind of go, okay, what, what do I, what does the outcome that's the, the best, the best outcome for me in the situation and um, look at it as, rather than uh, something that needs to kind of get solved more than, you know, rethink it. Is this a lesson or is this a hurdle? Right. Um, so I think that, you know, introducing a collection of home goods is of course there's going to be all kinds of things that you don't know what's going to happen. And it's just such a cool thing to, to continue to take those risks and to be like energized and excited about new things, right? Like that's a really awesome aspect of running a business is that you can always do that. You can always be learning something new and like supporting new artisans and, you know, working with different groups that might be um, otherwise unknown. So um, kudos to you for just, you know, stepping outside of what you know, right? Like your history is all in fashion. Yeah. 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 Um, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, thinking about Ron Triage, like think of, I, I, I don't know if this, if you've thought, I mean, you probably have, but like, like three years from now, what, what, everything came together exactly, like just in the most amazing ways. Like what, what do you, what, how do you see your business and what would you like it to be like in that time frame? Oh, I mean, I have a lot of visions. It's almost, you know, sometimes you almost get scared saying them out loud, but, um, mm-hmm. do it. um, you know, I really want us to have a facility where we can manufacture and distribute. I would love for it to be up here, closer to up here so we can provide jobs. And also because I think people don't necessarily always want to be in the city anymore. You know, mm-hmm. um, I also am just so inspired by nature. Uh, for mm-hmm. me, it's actually critical to my existence, like to my well-being. And so, um, so I'd love for, for that to exist. Um, I would like for us to be, you know, fully self-supportive. Um, I would like for us to have our own standalone stores where you can go in and you can, you know, shop for these special pieces of clothing or you can buy home goods or gifts or you could learn about water wastage or various kind of things happening within that area around conservation. Um, I also would love to have uh, maybe not, well, beauty products or, you know, functional oils or... um, you know, sense really kind of expand this concept. And then I would love for us to also be able to highlight other upcyclers um, mm-hmm. so that we could have little exhibits and little places where people could sell 
you know, their own, their own goods. Cause a lot of people are much happier being artisans. You know, I think I come at this with a slightly larger mindset only in that I've like, I worked in major businesses before. And so I really want to create this as an avenue. Um, Mm -hmm. But I ultimately want us to be able to sell other people's goods as well. I love that. I love that. And I also really love your, the scale that you think on, you know, I think like what you just said is it just resonates so um, strongly with me, like in my history and, you know, I had my production company and I, I was always like bigger, 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 bigger. Like I just, and then at one point I was like, okay, hold on. Like, I, I don't really think I have the skill set that's going to, that I need to get bigger and still stay happy. So I need a, I need a pivot. And I, that, that's when I kind of just decided to focus more on teaching and having, you know, a, a presence in the textile upcycling arena where I can bring people together in ways like, well, with the podcast and with the summit and just like, you know, making the kind of person to person interactions happen. And then to know that you're out there like going, okay, well, I, I, you know, the vision of having like, you know, bricks and mortar places that people can go and learn and, and also, you know, pop-ups with other like smaller artists, artisanal, producers. It's just like, that's just such a great idea. I love it. I love to, um, to dream about that, um, with you and just like, Oh, that's so cool. Like how, you know, that, and then that's another thing that I think I'm sure that you've experienced, like just, you know, when I, I was in the, the fashion industry for a, a, a few years with my business and, you know, making recycled clothing and selling it to stores at a wholesale, um, event or many wholesale events. And, you know, at the time, when I was like 1990, 1992, people did not understand what I was talking about. Like, I can make you 12 of these hoodies. They're all going to be in this color family, but none of, they're not going to be exactly like this one. Like that gentle education and the, re, the repeated like kindness and just trying to explain to people to get under, to understand how the production of my product was working. A lot of times it was like, I was met with like a little bit of criticism, like, well, what are you going to do for next season? And my, my whole response was always like, I'm going to upcycle the sweaters that I, or the, whatever it was, denim, men's shirts, whatever that I was upcycling, you know, they'll be different because the materials will be different. And, you know, in the, the upcycling arena, there's like a community, like it's people are really into supporting each other. Whereas in that traditional fashion setting, it's a lot more competition in my experience. It's a lot more like, don't look at my shit because you're going to copy it or, you know, oh, that's my shit and my silhouette for next season. And it's like, you know, in, in this arena, people are more concerned with, uh, what is their structure of values? than yeah. what is their bottom, you know, of course, we're all concerned with our bottom line, because you can't have a really sustainable business if you don't have a profit margin. <laughs> but you do have to have um, that compassion and that connection, right? Do you feel that? Do do? my gosh, I mean, I think a huge thing that I want to create with um, Ron Triage is also a different style of business you know, a different way of managing a different, you know, making sure that everyone is truly a part of our business, you know, making sure that you know, everyone who's really worked with us, like, who really is stuck, like they've been there the whole time. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. And that's just, that's kind of who I am. That's, it's just fundamental to me. And honestly, I think that competition and that 
anguish. I think it, it causes so much heartache and fear. Um, it's the patriarchy, you know, yeah. and these designers, these creative people, they aren't meant to fit into that. They're just being yeah. forced. They're forcing themselves into it. And so that's what I love about working with the upcycling community and the artisans is it's, it's, it's much more emotional and it's, it's much more about what you want to create. And I think that there's something really beautiful about that. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. Fuck the patriarchy. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's time for a change. Mm-hmm. It really is. And I think it's happening. I feel like it's just, it's so exciting when, you know, I stop and look back at my, my career and like 35 years in textile upcycling and, First of all, people understand it now. People yeah. want to understand it. And there's women involved. Like I was, you know, when I when I first started buying material and volume for my business, there was one woman I dealt with. And all the other suppliers I dealt with were men. And they all had naked lady posters on their wall, office walls. And I'm not, I mean, I shouldn't say all of them because there was a very few who didn't, but like that was just standard. Like you just had to, you know, deal with that. And I feel like that is really shifting and it's so exciting to just have a community of like-minded, awesome people who are really um, focused on the same goal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I really think community is the way forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, being able to create jobs for people that give them a good life. Like that's just, that's just amazing. Like what a, what a lovely uh, gift to give your community. Like that's, Yeah. Awesome. I, I just, I don't see AI being able to upcycle. I <laughs> know <laughs> yeah, me either. I'm like, I mean, it's possible. Never say never, yeah, but you right. know, it, that it's also kind of that they find some comfort in that. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And it's like, there's like the create, yeah, I don't know. Like the whole AI thing kind of freaks me out a little bit. I haven't really delved into knowing that much about it, but it, um, it seems a little, uh, dissonant like it's not it doesn't it's not going to help create community i don't think no yeah so well i am so excited to learn about your um your passion and your 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 i'm not going to say dreams i think they're you're you know in a couple years i i'm looking forward to um visiting one of your your bricks and mortar stores so i can learn um from you about uh different environmental things that you're working on and you know see a pop-up with people who are selling their product there. So um, yeah, just kudos to you for, for stepping out and, and taking those risks and making it possible for people to learn about, you know, textile upcycling and about other, um, you know, if it's glass or jewelry or whatever other um, products you're going to throw in the mix. I think that's awesome. Oh, thank you. And thank you for creating such a community. You know? Oh yeah. I love it. It's like my strong suit. I love, I love people. And I love, I think, you know, I, I, you know, I try not to read the news too much, but I honestly believe that most people are just simply magical, awesome beings with so much to offer the world. And I feel like we get bombarded with all the negative crap that is few and far between. Like, you know, people are, when you assume people are going to be lovely, they are. Yeah. So thanks for being one of them, Aaron. It's been such a pleasure just to learn more about you and your business. And I really look forward to staying connected and um, watching your company just blossom and continue to thrive. Yeah, Thank fingers you. Crossed, fingers crossed. I appreciate that. 
Yeah, sure. So if you're just tuning in, you guys, Ron Triage um, is where you need to go to check out more about Erin and her business. It's spelled R-E-N-T-R-A-Y-A-G-E.com. And of course, we'll have all kinds of links and show notes and images of um, Erin's work on our show notes page. So you can go there as well. Erin, thank you so much. Thank you, Christina. Thank you for having me. Sure, sure. Hey, so I'm over here and I'm serving you a giant air hug because you just finished another episode of the Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast. Thank you for being with me. Our music is provided by The Lucky Five. Learn more about them at theluckyfive.com. Our show is produced and edited by Van Hyacin. If you want to dive in deep, head over to Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast.com. 